Welcome to another episode of Pastor Dale Walker's Leadership Podcast. We look forward to having you join us on this journey in learning how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to Dale Walker on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Today, we're kind of looking into this idea of hearing God as a lifestyle. And I, I put in your notes, not just as a surprise interruption, but as a guiding light, that I believe God wants his voice to be the most important and consistent voice that you and I listen to. So just a way of a little review, we've been talking about this skill of, of listening. I call it three things, listening, translating what God's saying, and having the guts to obey it. <laughs> right? It takes all three of those uh, for this to really work. And, and we just gave sev- in progress. several reasons why this is so important. We know that a, a key to any relationship is it's communication, right? I mean, can you imagine being married and saying, well, we just never really talk, but we're married, right? That literally the level of listening determines how much the family thrives. If there's deep communication, there's deep joy, there's deep... And same with the Lord. Uh, the more you hear the Lord, I just had been reading, we read through Genesis and a lot of us are doing this, it's so interesting to read how when somebody hears God, it's like they take a giant step forward, whether it was Abraham or whoever, that the moment you hear God, suddenly it's just like, oh, I have faith because faith comes by hearing. I, I see more clearly. And uh, I, I think I don't have to argue that this is important. I also believe that it's so key to our obedience getting off of our agenda onto God's. You know, if if we're fuzzy in our ability to be healed, we'll be foggy in our ability to obey. That's how I say it. <laughs> if you're not sure what God's saying, probably you're not going to be very good at obeying him. And that's why that little phrase, 1 Samuel 3.10, speak, Lord, I'm listening. Uh, what's my instructions? Uh, as I said, the doors of opportunity open, whether that's to help somebody uh, whether that's just to get clarity about your next move. I like to say it this way. You're just a whisper from a breakthrough. Yeah, I, do you remember that one That one person who <coughs> servant was lying paralyzed, and he said, Lord, just one word. If you will just say a word. Mm-hmm. And that's all he did. Go. He's healed. <laughs> you know? Isn't that amazing? The God who said, be, and all creation was is still speaking to us today. And uh, if he tells you today, be healed, you're healed. (laughs) If he tells you today, uh, you are equipped or you're anointed, it's it's real. It's going to happen for sure. Um, So many of our breakthroughs are tied. I heard just kind of uh, this fellow, James Davis, was talking about during the Depression, this guy needed a job so bad and... uh, he heard that the telegraph company was hiring. So he goes down there and there's hundreds of people because nobody had work. And he's just standing there and, and he says, I'll never get this job. And all of a sudden he hears this, uh, you know, and all of a sudden he goes through this door and he comes out. I got the job. Well, you know what it was? Uh, the people inside on Morse code 
They said, if you understand what I'm saying right now, come through that back door and you got the job. <laughs> How many of you know, when God is moving, most people are standing around, but there's somebody. They heard it and they got it. And their life is completely different than everybody else uh, because of that, that word. Um, I believe when it comes to leadership and translating God, you know, people, if there's one thing I've learned about, say, giving a message, that really people don't need me to finish my message. They need to make sure I connect with their the word of the Lord with where they're at in the message. That's why sometimes I'll be talking. And the biggest thing that'll happen will be something I didn't really plan to say. <laughs> but you see, it's 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 not a script. It's it's See, there's two things, two words in the Bible, logos, rhema. Logos is the anchor, it's the Bible. But rhema is, we call it the now word. So you need both. You need the anchor, but then you need, what is the Spirit doing? He's doing something in this room right now, because he always is. And if I can sense it, and I can bless it, it's going to change somebody's life. And so... When you minister, you're not just saying, how do I get through my to-do list? <laughs> but how do I partner with God and what he's doing today? And you can get all your lists right, but how many know every great miracle in the Bible was an interruption? <laughs> oh, I didn't see that coming. But because somebody in the middle of that uh, was able to hear the voice of the Lord, it's incredible. I want to just challenge you in just little things. You know, for example, I'm going to tell you, God is always speaking, and he has always given you the ability to encourage someone. Because the Bible says you're to encourage one another. You know what that means? He's always giving a word to encourage someone. I guarantee, promise you, if you ask, how can I encourage the people at my table, and you step out in faith, God will give you a word. And sometimes that word comes with a thought, a verse, a picture, Sometimes it's, it's just open your mouth. <laughs> Anybody ever have God talk to you that way? Uh, open your mouth. Okay, what do I say? Just open your mouth. And the one time I need, usually I need to close my mouth, but the one time I need to open my mouth, I'm usually too afraid to do it. But anyhow, when I do it, God gives uh, a word. Um, in our earlier sessions, we began to talk about the five ways God speaks. In Luke 24, in our first session, we, we shared the story and if you haven't read it, you could read it from Luke 24, 13 to 30. <clears throat> Jesus on the road to Emmaus, uh, after his resurrection, he meets these two people. And uh, they were disciples. And they're walking. And they don't recognize Jesus. And that's part of what we're going <laughs> to talk about a lot. He's talking, but you don't notice. You don't see him. You don't have your ears on, I guess, in the old CD days, whatever. You're not tuned in. You're not plugged in. And uh, and then he does five things over that next time. And those five things, he he connects in a conversation. Um, he, he takes them to the Word. I call it, he speaks exegetically, and we're going to spend three weeks on that. He speaks also uh, through the communion or sacramentally as they're taking communion. He speaks prophetically. 
tells them a word they don't know about themselves, and then he speaks inwardly through a still small voice. Today, I want to talk about uh, the first one. God speaks to us through conversation, through intimacy and friendship. It actually was several hours where Jesus just got them to open up. <laughs> and uh, they said, haven't you heard the news about Jesus? And you remember what he said? What news? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, he knew. But how many know when God asks questions, it's not because he doesn't know. <laughs> it's because he wants to engage with us. And it's only as we are engaged in, a, in an intimate friendship conversation with Jesus that the mask or the binders can start to fall off. And so I really want to talk about uh, a lifestyle of conversation and friendship uh, with Jesus. I believe with all my heart that many Christians uh, don't have a conversational relationship with Jesus. <laughs> uh, you know, some of you remember the old hymn, he walks with me, he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, I walk through the garden. That's not the experience of a lot of Christians, uh, that they, they have a friendship with Jesus, and, and they're just, you know, day and night, they're, um, they're sharing together. And that's an incredible foundation that I want to tell you. I'm going to kind of share today, too. I wanted to back this up, because as we go through these weeks, it's very interesting to study how different parts of the church uh, hear God. And I'm thankful for all, but we're going to try to go through all streams. There is the evangelicals, and of course, that is read the Bible. You know, thank God for that. Then there is uh, the charismatics, which obviously dreams and visions, you know, tongues, interpretation, and we're going to talk about that. And then there is another part, the monastic, sacramental part of the church, and this is something a lot of us weren't a very part of it, and and we didn't learn contemplation and. We didn't learn things like solitude and silent retreats. So I'm going to get a little bit into that and more next week because I think many of us have missed a whole part of how to hear God because we were in one stream or the other, but we didn't understand. And we're going to see. That's what I love about Jesus' example. He, he, he spoke through all of that, including the more sacramental communal uh, kinds of speaking to us. Um, So why is it that a lot of people probably wouldn't say, I have a conversational love relationship with Jesus? We talk throughout the day, and and having promptings of the Holy Spirit is just kind of a normal part of my life. Um, For many people, that's strange, you know? And for many people, it doesn't even seem right, you know? And, And yet, in my earlier talk, I said how empowering that is when, when listening to Jesus is your friend, <laughs> and it's not just some, you know, reverential thing at church. And I shared how my son-in-law, just such a breakthrough, he just once asked the Lord, he said, Lord, I have a different style than everybody else when it comes to preaching. What do you have to say about that? See, most people wouldn't even ask the Lord something like that. And the Lord says, well, it's kind of risky, but I like it. And that was sort of a silly word, but it set him free. But how many have a relationship with the Lord where he would kind of joke with you or he just kind of prod you a little bit because you're friends and he knows your love language and, and that would just be natural for you. Um, here's some reasons why this doesn't happen. And number one is what I call misbeliefs. I'm just going to call it veils because a lot of times the Bible talks about the veil and 
it talks about blinders and that many people, you've heard the phrase in the Bible, seeing, they don't see, hearing, they don't hear. Uh, there's veils. And I believe one of the number one is just misbeliefs, lies that we believe. So here's a few. See, circle one of these if, if you relate to it. God stopped speaking when he gave us the Bible. We're just supposed to read the directions and follow up. It is dangerous to try to hear God speak. You're crazy if you hear voices. <laughs> God might speak, but it is to people more spiritual than you. God only speaks very rarely on places like Mount Sinai. It's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime experience. If God speaks, it's only about really big things, like if you're called to be a missionary to Africa. If God talks to you, it probably means you're in trouble <laughs> or he's telling you something really scary. I, I laugh about that, but many people are terrified. to hear. In fact, remember, Adam? Hey, Adam, where are you? Oh, hiding. <laughs> if you have a guilt complex, you have a wrong, a shame version of God. If you were raised in abusive homes, God's voice is scary to you. And we want to help you get healed of, of that. It's so hard to hear God. You probably have to fast at least three weeks. (laughs) All right, can you relate to any of that? They put it on a very high shelf. It it seems like something very strange and foreign to us. And like I said, what if it was true? God is speaking all the time. He never stops speaking. And we just haven't been listening. You know, if you just had that assumption I promise you, you would start to hear God more than you do right now. (laughs) Oh, good morning, God. Hey, hey, isn't that beautiful? Don't you like that sunrise, Lord? Wow, wasn't that sweet, that text my friend just sent me? If you just knew that, it would be very likely that you would hear more. One of the things we're trying to create Heart for World is a community that expects God to speak. That's why I wanted you to be in the table and start to talk. I found when, when you're around people who expect God to speak, you begin to have faith that it's going to happen. And uh, it's, very, it's very awesome. Um, here, here's some dangers of misbeliefs. You make wrong assumptions and come to negative conclusions that bind you. That's what happened with these two disciples. <laughs> Jesus is dead. So they, they couldn't see Jesus as alive because they already, in their mind, had the assumption, he's not here, right? And it took Jesus a whole day to get that veil uh, removed from their eyes. I, I, I like this verse in John 7, 24. Stop judging by mere appearances and instead judge correctly. Um, well, what I like about that is Jesus says, you are not going to know the truth by looking at circumstances <laughs> or by just listening to people. And I'm going to say this probably more than once today, but beware, the digital distractions of our age keep people from hearing God more than anything. <laughs> Between, you know, text, Facebook, a cell phone, blah, blah, blah. Um, the distractions that interfere with the kind of still small voice that God often speaks to. But I want to say this. I I was extremely moved. If you never read the book, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, it's incredible. It was probably 20 years ago. But 
he would just talk about how God did miracles. But one of the little phrases I'll never forget, he says, you don't know the truth until you heard Jesus. If you jump to conclusion about a situation like Jesus is dead because I don't see it or that person could never be healed. Those, those assumptions in themselves will hinder you from hearing a higher opinion. So I always say, you got to get a higher opinion. And especially when it comes to faith, that if you want to ever operate in faith, don't just see the facts as they appear. Now, Jesus does not deny facts, but he has some higher level facts, right? Uh, he has a higher truth many times. He told someone whose 12-year-old was, was dead, she's not dead, she's sleeping. No, she's dead. <laughs> no, I'm about to wake her up, so she's just sleeping. So it was, this is the truth from God's perspective. You have to be ready to hear that uh, or you'll be veiled to what God could do in your situation. I like to think of it as the uh, the replay booth, you know, the field, the referees call it, but somebody says, wait, I don't know if you got that one right. <laughs> How many ever needed to say, Lord, could I see that on the replay booth? <laughs> somebody just told me my life is hopeless. Someone told me I'll never have love again. I'll never have hope. Could I get a replay on that? <laughs> Because what does the Bible say? God works everything for good to those who love God. I like to say it this way. Two things God promises. He's going to repeat the best things that ever happened to you. And he's going to redeem the worst things that ever happened to you. So if you haven't seen him redeem the worst things, you need to wait for the play call from the booth. Because <laughs> you're not seeing the truth right now that God wants you to see. And so... I love to say that um, what God decides and what, who God is and what God decides is the truth. And he wants to speak. And so I, I just start with this one because, you know, I love to preach faith. And if you believe with God, all things are possible. That's an incredible, incredible key to hearing from God. What does that mean? That means immediately you believe there's a solution to every problem. And there's an opportunity in every mess. If you don't believe that, then you just quit listening to God when things are a disaster and you just start complaining and freaking out. <laughs> but if you believe God is redeeming all things for good, the moment you get into a mess, you're like Job. <laughs> right now, some of us are reading Job. It takes a lot of faith to read Job, but he's, he's going to hear an amazing word that changes his life. But all through it, he keeps saying, I know my Redeemer lives, and in my flesh I shall see God. I, he, he says, when, when, I, when he is finished, I will be purer than gold. <laughs> he, he refused to just say, yes, I got a skin disease and all my family died. My life ter is terrible. No, no, I believe in a God who always redeems. So even if I haven't seen it yet, I know God has something else to say about this than I'm presently experiencing. And so I am going to keep open and keep listening for that miracle word from God. And that's I wanted to say that for someone in this room. You don't know the truth yet because you haven't heard from God. But he's about to speak to you. And when he does, you'll, you'll know the truth. 
one time and I was struggling in a depression. I was having the hardest time of my life. And I just said, God, you've got to tell me something. And all he said was, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is taking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you're able. He will, with this temptation, make a way of escape. In that moment, I knew that I knew that I would get out of this. And I don't even know what happened, but within two weeks, the depression left. Just I, by faith, I knew the truth. The truth was, this is not going to be my permanent prison. <laughs> and that little word changed my whole life. Um, sometimes we have to turn down the volume of the unbelief if we're going to hear the volume of faith. We need to say things like, this could be the day. We need hope. God speaks in the language of hope. This could be the day. God's with me today. This is, this is a day of miracles. That is going to take some veils off that allow you to hear what God speaks. Number two, we don't hear because we don't ask for revelation. Isn't it amazing? You have a God of the universe in your corner. You don't even ask for wisdom. You, know? uh, you don't have because you don't ask. And you don't ask because you don't really expect. And then he says you don't get it because you ask with unbelief. You don't really expect, and so you don't act in faith. James 1, 5, and 6, wisdom, you know. My son Jason, uh, he was, he has incredible faith for hearing from God. So he was supposed to go on a ministry trip, and he uh, he got a cold right before he was Gonna, supposed to leave. And so he, he's going to pray about it. He just says, God, should I still go on this ministry trip, you know, with COVID? People are weird. They might think this and all that. And he says, he just waited for God. He knew God would tell him. And uh, God kind of gave him a, an interesting word. And God says, this, my grace is sufficient. But he still didn't know what that means. My grace is sufficient for you to stay home or my grace is sufficient for you to go. And then all of a sudden, he has a prayer partner and that's why I want all of you to have a prayer partner who prays for him every day and texts him anytime he hears uh, from the Lord. And, and he texts him and says something like this. I just got woke up this word. God's grace is sufficient. It's okay to meet. God has a special treat. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> he says, okay. And by the time he got there, he was fine and God used him in an incredible way. So you see what I'm saying? If you expect, God's going to tell me something. He will move heaven and earth to get you the guidance that you need. Do you believe that? I, I really believe that, and that's a huge key. Um, sometimes we don't hear because we have become discouraged with God's silence. How many have ever felt like God was silent? And it was way too long. And, and, and sometimes we give up. And again, Job was my example, and he had a long time. God didn't answer. And uh, I, I think Mother Teresa, she had a beautiful book about hearing from God, and she just talked about silence is when God takes words that he's given you in the past and helps you go deeper with them. And two of her words were, uh, if you don't know what's next, always go back to your last assignment and do it at another level. And then secondly, never doubt in the dark what you saw in the light. This is not a time to doubt. It's a time to remember. And I told you this earlier, and right in my uh, daily planner book, I have it. 
I have every word that I can remember, major word God spoke into my heart about my future from the time I was 17 years old. Wow. <laughs> that was a few years ago. But anyhow, <laughs> but you know what I do? I just go in and read them. Sometimes once a week or at least once a month. And okay, God, there's some of those that still haven't happened yet. And you said, okay, I remember that. I remember that. And I really, I believe again. I believe again. And some of those words are just now happening. <laughs> so that's a pretty neat thing in my life. Uh, another major reason, this is kind of something we're going to lean into. And that is, I believe, our culture teaches us. And here's a little, I don't know how to say it, but it teaches us to compete instead of contemplate to perform performance instead of partnership. What do I mean by that? I believe that the American culture causes us to be driven more than it helps us to be led. <laughs> Do you know the difference between being driven and being led? Driven is the adrenaline's going off. And you are so used to, and you believe the, if I can just call it idolatry of Americanism, you know, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I call it successism. Successism is if you're not working, someone else is beating you. You got to, if you're, the more you work, the more money you're going to get. It's a rat race. You got to do more. What are you doing just sitting there? Come on. You got to go. You got to go. Quit, quit sitting there. Think about what's next. You better get your planner going. Everybody's depending on you. Can anybody relate? All right. I call that being driven. And the RPMs of that level of a brain work completely drowns out the gentle whispers of God's leading in our life. And this um, is something that I, I want us to, to really work on. This is where this idea of contemplation and solitude will come to is so important in the, especially in our culture today. And just to give you a word of confession, if you can uh, relate to this, uh, you know, I asked for feedback from Sharon, you know, we have these kinds of things and, and uh, it's supposed to be every first of the year we, we're supposed to do evaluations of you know, employee evaluations. So I always try to do that. And wow, what could you, what do you wish? What's your feedback? What do you wish? And she said, number one thing, Dale, I wish you could spend a lot more time just being than you do doing. You can't stop. I wish you could just spend more time being a father or being a friend or just being in life, enjoying things. But you're always thinking, you're always imagining, you're always right. So I repented and I thought I'd tell you all that. In case one person has that driven tendency inside of them. And this is something that I'm most working on. That's why I've been studying the monks, like these kinds of things. Um, here, here, is the, here is the difference in John 15 and just because of time, I don't go into reading all these, but I'm hoping you're familiar. If not, you'll go back and just really read it. John 15, Jesus talks about it. He says, you know, he says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, uh, only then will you bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, anybody remember? <laughs> Nada, nothing, zero. He's saying in Matthew 12, uh, 12 you know, 11.28, come to me, all of you who are burdened, all of you who are stressed out, all you crazy workaholic people, come to me. I want to give you rest. I want to give you a different yoke. The yoke you're 
Wearing is the yoke of your culture. It's not the yoke of Jesus. Learn to rest. Learn of me. For I am meek, I'm lowly, I'm quiet in heart. And, and I want to just say that because I feel like it's, I feel like if I could say the, the bottom line of this talk today, I think we start to really hear from God when this, this fundamental switch, and again, uh, Henry Blackaby would say it this way, when we stop asking God to bless what we're doing and we start asking God, how can I do what you're blessing? Amen. Now that's just a tiny little switch, but it's everything. Because American culture says you get out there, you do your thing, you row as fast as you can. Yes, sir. Can you repeat that? Um, the, the big shift is instead of asking God to bless what you're doing, ask God to help you do what he is blessing. And so it's the idea, instead of rowing the boat, you're putting up the sail. You know, you're not trying to get where you want to be, but you're trying to yield to where the Holy Spirit is wanting to take you. And it's a fundamental change, and it's you don't work for rest, you work from rest. You don't work so someday you can rest, which you never do. You rest so that the work you do is restful, so that your energy, your passion always matches the work because you've never used it up because your soul has been filled and resting in the Lord. And it, it's based on this belief that I believe with all my heart that if you, if you spend one day utterly doing what God's anointing you to do, you will accomplish more than 10 years of you running around trying to do what you wanted to do. Isn't that true? If God anoints us, you see it all through the Bible, you know, day of Pentecost, one day, what would take most organizations you know, generations, spirit comes. Why? Because they were aligned. They were, they were on track. They were doing what the Lord was blessing. <laughs> and how many know he's always doing something, but we have to stop and get on his agenda. <laughs> and that's why you hear me pray on Sundays all the time, the Lord's prayer, Lord, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will not what I want you to do for me, but what are you doing through me that I can join you in? How do I get on your agenda right now? Because I know if I can get there, I will accomplish everything I was put on this earth to accomplish. And I've often used the silly illustration of the woodpecker who was trying to make a little hole in the tree and all of a sudden lightning came and blew over the tree. And he looked and he says, wow, I'm awesome, you know. <laughs> well, there is a moment if you let God come. And what you are trying to, you know, make happen with your little peck, 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 God comes and it's done, all right? Wow. And I don't know if you ever tried to change somebody, but I've seen that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, God touches them. Wow. And all of your work to change them is it's like, what was I trying to do? Wow. Because he came. Now, this separation, and I'll just give you an example. Saul and David in the Bible are probably the clearest example of the two differences. So let me just tell you the story. First uh, Samuel 13, 11 to 13. Uh, Saul is supposed to be waiting for Samuel to offer the sacrifice before the battle begins. He's supposed to be coming in about a week. Samuel doesn't get there in time. And Saul says, ah, forget it. I'm going to do it myself. 
And then right after he does it, uh, Samuel shows up. And this is what Samuel says. Uh, Samuel says, why did you do this? The Lord wasn't leading you to do this yet. And of course, he came up with an excuse. When I saw the men were scattering and you did not come at the set time, I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. And Samuel says, you have done a foolish thing. Then he goes on and gives one of the most important phrases in the Old Testament. God desires obedience, not sacrifice. The only thing God wants from you is what he will for you to do his will. Now compare that to David in 1 Chronicles 14, 13. David has just been faced with these Philistines and he says, God, should I attack him? He says, yeah, attack him. You're going to get the victory. He finishes that battle. He goes to the very next battle. But what does he do? Once more, the Philistines raided the valley, so David inquired of God again, and God answered him, do not directly, do not go directly after them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move out to battle, because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. Interesting, same battle, different strategy. How many of us, God, this is what you did last year. I'm ready to go, whoa, whoa, you didn't get the new directions. You presumed. You presumed that because it worked that way last time, it's supposed to work this way this time. But David didn't do that. And I love this picture because he said, David, don't you move until you hear the sound of the wind. See, the Holy Spirit is always described as the wind. And what a beautiful picture that is. The Spirit's moving somewhere. But if you don't move when the spirit moves, (laughs) you're going to be fighting the battle in your flesh. And we know what happens when we do that. And so David was just this man waiting on God. The word wait, by the way, in Hebrew means to to braid together, to take your will and to, you know, if you've ever braided your daughter's hair, which I have above, watch my wife, the video. It's just putting things into place. One at a time. God, my will, your will, my, not my heart, your heart. Let us be completely one uh, in this decision that we have to make. So how do you do this? And uh, we'll get to some more discussion in a minute. Just very simply, number one, make intimate connection with Jesus, your highest priority. And so if you read John 15, the whole 15, 1 through 16, and man, we could have spent the whole night on it, but... I'm giving you overviews. But, you know, his big final word in verse 16 is that this is what I want you to do because this will, if you do this, you will glorify God because you will bear much fruit. Your life, your life will be so fruitful at every level. There won't be any part of your life. And what is fruitful? It's it's not only, it's both inward and outward. It's It's inward peace, joy, love, calmness, uh, patience, and it's outwardness, effectiveness, successfulness, uh, prosperity, whatever it is. It's always those two things. God wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be fruitful. And he he says, if you make it your life's decision uh, to make your preoccupation to have intimate connection with me and to never leave that place, and what, what does that look like? I, I love what, remember Mary and Martha, we went over that story once, but Martha's running around and working on all these things and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. I just love that phrase. Jesus says to Martha, 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 
quit stressing out. He says, there's only one thing. Somebody asks, what's the one thing? There's one thing. Can I tell you the one thing before everything is that you're connected with Jesus. If that one thing isn't there, then everything else is not going to work the way that he wants it to work. And if you've been married, you would understand this. For example, if my wife and I have 10 things we're going to get to do today, and we are disconnected before the first one, (laughs) and we're not talking, and things aren't right in our relationship, uh, you know, we're not going to bear much fruit. (laughs) We might check off a few on the list, but we're not going to bear much fruit. There's not going to be peace, and there's not going to be real effectiveness. So what does that mean? There's one thing. He said, nothing until one thing. (laughs) Are you rightly connected? Until you're rightly connected, you don't have any other job in life. (laughs) And so this is so true with Jesus. And if we could just get that in our spirit, and you know, you know, Jesus, we're connected. I'm doing life with you. I just love that. In the morning, I love to pray this prayer. Jesus, can we do life together? And can can you share your heart with me about everything? And Jesus, can I repent quick enough so we don't have to do any of these weird detours? Can I just stay uh, step by step by step uh, with you um, all of the way? Just on the next page, I just say, well, here's some very simple thoughts on that. Position your heart to enter a conversation with Jesus that never ends. Did you know it's possible to pray without ceasing? Does that mean you're talking 24 hours a day? No. But you've been with people where you're communicating. You may not talk every minute, but you're communicating without ceasing. You're together. You're sharing. You're you're observing. You're doing this. Some incredible keys. Number one is hunger. Hunger and desire. I like this verse, Proverbs 8, 34. Blessed is the man that hears me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my door. I like that one. The next one is Proverbs 27, 18. As the eye of a handmaid looks to her master, so her eyes are upon you. Uh, David in Psalms says, my soul waits. And the word wait, it means utterly longs for God. I'm just, I just think of the little baby bird in the nest with its mouth open. I'm just so hungry. <laughs> I'm so hungry. And it's, it's hunger. That's why fasting can sometimes be so helpful in clarifying the will of God. It's just something about fasting and the natural, the hunger that you feel there, it awakens hunger in your soul that is extremely powerful. Um, continually cast your cares on the Lord. Confess your sins. You Many times we don't hear from God because our glasses are dirty. We're not seeing God because we, we got to go get cleaned up. We got We got burdens. We got anxieties. Those anxieties will will need to continually cast on the Lord. Um, Proverbs 16.3 in the Amplified Version, roll your works upon the Lord, commit and trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will, and then your plans will be established and you will succeed. Isn't that a great verse? Just commit your way. Everything, can I just tell you anything? He's like, God, I'm about to have an appointment. I'm gonna mess this up without you. (laughs) Would you give me wisdom? God, I'm driving home right now. I don't like the traffic. Would you, would you give me peace? Just, it's just every single thing committed to the Lord. It, it means to cast your cares. What it, does it mean? It means the disturbed emotions of your heart, articulate them to God in a form of release. So every 
agitating feeling. God, I feel angry. God, I feel sad. God, I feel guilty. God, I feel lonely. God, I feel confused. God, I feel hopeless. Don't stay in the emotion, but articulate it to the Lord. And it says, then the peace of God, Philippians 4, 6, will come. And it'll integrate your soul and spirit so that you're in tune again uh, with God. Um, continue to praise and thanksgiving. This is just huge, right? First uh, Thessalonians 4, 16, rejoice in the Lord always and pray without ceasing. <laughs> just this continual song of the Lord in your heart. I don't know about you, but I've got my whole list of what I'm going to say if I wake up in the night and I can't sleep. I got about five things, but I'm not going to just sit there and imagine. I'm going to go through the alphabet and quote all the attributes of God. God is awesome, available, amazing. You are beautiful. You are champion. You are conqueror. I just go through the whole alphabet. But anything, I'm not going to let my mind or heart wander from focus. Because if I do... I'm going to lose my connection that I love to have with the Lord. Uh, don't get stuck in in traditional ways to hear from God. I found so many people, they have words from yesterday, but they get stuck. And I just love the story. We can do it later. But Elijah runs away from Jezebel. He's all in a fury. He's so upset. And you know why he does? Because he's expecting God to answer him like he did last time. Where's the fire, God? <laughs> Where's the smoke? Where's the wind? There's nothing. I'm just in the desert. God, you're not talking to me. God says, hey, yesterday was on top of Mount Carmel with fire. Today, go in a cave. Today, I'm whispering. Today, listen. Today, it's different. You know, sometimes God wants to speak to you through nature. Sometimes he wants to speak through you through songs. There's a hundred ways God is speaking. And be open to the ways that he's saying so we're about done here, but just let me, I love the quote by Brother Lawrence. If you've never read the book, Practicing the Presence of God, it's an all-time classic of a monk. And he he basically said, live in a conversation with God by celebrating God's presence in every ordinary thing in your life. Don't wait for some spectacular thing. Celebrate. Wow, God, I'm eating a McDonald's hamburger. You're with me. Hallelujah. You know, whatever it is. I, I knew one lady who, she didn't have a dishwasher. She had to wash the dishes by hand. And she put this little sign over her sink. Here, worship to God is offered three times daily. <laughs> and she turned washing dishes into worship. Amen. But if you, if you don't find God in the little things, you'll end up not finding God in anything. And so make everything a celebration of his presence and you will be aware of him. And then we're just kind of, now we're just going to get to this. We'll get more next week. But silence, solitude, and Sabbath. Let's, let's talk about these. Uh, why does the Bible say be still? And then you're going to know he's God and how he wants to be God in that situation that you're in today. Well, the reality is 90%, like the iceberg, 90% of God's interaction with us is under the surface of our daily activities. It's in the quiet parts of our subconscious, our mind. It's not in the rush and the hassle and the, and the, and the performance of our life. And so the main challenge for most Americans is to get in a place of reduced 
distraction. And as I said, let's especially focus on digital distraction because never in the history of the world has there been more things to distract us and be able to, in the, in, in, in the words, uh, and I just uh, love this phrase, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. <laughs> you know, the, the, it comes because we have been ruthless about eliminating a spirit of hurry. The, uh, Jesus walked slow through the crowds. In fact, people always thought Jesus was late. Like four days late for a resurrection. You don't remember Lazarus? Uh, Jesus, my daughter's dying. Why are you hanging out with this woman and, you know, telling her sin's forgiven? We got to go. Ambulance is ready. He just frustrated. He was never in her. Nobody could rush him. And nobody could convince him to be stressed out. Because he walked, he walked in the pace of God. Someone called God the three-mile-per-hour three God. Yeah. <laughs> he walks. <laughs> Most of us are looking for the 80-mile-per-hour God. <laughs> That's the wrong God. <laughs> He's not over there. He's back here. He walks with me. He talks with me. And I'm preaching to myself. This, this is why... The greatest problem of American Christianity is shallowness. A mile wide and an inch deep. We have the veneer of holiness, but we don't have deeply integrated lives. We're still living to please people. We still hold grudges that we haven't admitted. We still live with low self-esteem. We still have secret hidden addictions. Why? Because Christianity mostly stays in the activity level. It's mostly, well, we go to church, which is all good, but it doesn't go to the roots of our personality, of our being, of our true inner core. And that can only happen in solitude, in silence, in quietness uh, of God. Um, solitude means coming to that place where you can be aware of your real self in the presence of God. Henry Nowlin would say that solitude is the place of great struggle and the great encounter. The struggle against the compulsions of our false self and the encounter with the loving God who offers himself as the substance of our new self. I love that. What is the false self? It's the unexamined part of us that lives out of the reactions of what happened to us or what we inherited from our forefathers or what society tells us we are. All of the cultural things, but our real self is in union with God. It's in Christ. It's who he says we are. It's his, his personality that he's made us to be, and we have to listen to him. Silence is the way that God amplifies his whispers. It's like in silence, those whispers become loud enough, finally, uh, for us to hear. And then let me just talk about Sabbaths. Sabbath is this obedient decision to pull the plug on our normal work routines and to turn from work in a complete fast, in a way that recalibrates our heart and mind to move at the rhythm of God instead of the world. What a crazy idea that God said, take one day off. Do you really want to go further than everyone you're competing with? Make sure one day a week you do nothing. <laughs> Rest. And it's this crazy idea where you focus on being instead of doing. Where you focus on his presence, cultivating quietness and 
heart. Listening skills. Sabbath commitment is a radical step in belief of faith that says, if I honor God by ceasing to work, I will get more accomplished when I work. And how many have found it's true? It's just like tithing. It's like, I can't afford to tithe. No, you can't afford not to tithe. Because the moment you give 10%, the 90% is more than the 100% ever could be. It's just called God's math. And until you figure out God's math, you're always behind. I love this idea of Richard Foster. He's another uh, Christian mystic, uh, and, and he's written the celebrations of discipline. Just a tremendous author. But I like this, too. I just want to throw it out to you. He calls them Selah moments. And he says, okay, beside the Sabbath, you should have Sabbaths all through your day. And what does he mean by a Selah moment? You know, in the Psalms, it says Selah, which means pause. It means stop. Two on that one. Just stop and, and beware. So the idea is take every opportunity you can. If you have to drive home, instead of rushing to get home, what if you left early enough for it to be a Selah moment, you know? What if you have to do the dishes? What if that could be a Selah moment? What if just obviously in the morning where you had nothing to do but to be with God, you had nothing to do but to allow an awareness of him to become bigger in your soul. And it doesn't happen at first. It's a shift. Those who wait on the Lord, as if, if you know, 41, it says they, they renew their strength. Suddenly, the word renew is they replace their strength. There's a replacement that comes into their soul. Awareness, God is with me. I'm not here in this world alone in the middle of a rat race. I'm anchored and I'm, you know, literally connected with God. We're walking together. We're, we're partnering in this thing. It is a couple of ways, and we'll talk a lot about, but meditating on his word. And, and I want to ask us to do that in just a minute. But how many of us, we might read the word, but we got it that level. Uh, this is just not even... Christian thing, but I love it because Warren Buffett said it. I thought, man, you're a genius. He just said he studied geniuses and, and successful people. He says the difference between incredibly successful and average successful people is the amount that they reflect. And I thought, interesting. Even in the business world, <laughs> they see uh, the, the most successful people reflect more than the people who are just always trying to figure it out, you know. But when we reflect, we reflect on the word of God is first, and we'll talk a lot about that. And and you don't just read it, but you take time, you digest it. The word meditate is the cow regurgitating and swallowing. It's good, you know, it's kind of gross, but it's that continual taking deep insight into the word. This is the way we'll do it here in a minute. It's just, you would take, say, John 3, 16, God so loves the world, he gave his only son, Whoever believe you don't just say, "Oh, that's a great verse." You say, "Whoa, time out!" You silence maybe some nice, beautiful music, and you say, "God, infinite, perfect, all-knowing Creator of heaven, loves deeply, passionately, desires intimacy." The world. I'm a part of the world. 
that's Elizabeth my name, Dale Walker. Betty gave, thought of me. You just go very slow. And then you end up saying, and what do you want to say to me from that verse today, Father? And you got your pen and you got your journal. And you know he's going to say something. Um, the other one is, is just time to process your emotions. Listen, let me give you this phrase, very important. The true test of your growth and transformation isn't seen in your actions, but in your reactions. How do you know that you're really growing? You don't react like you used to. <laughs> You don't lose it. You don't get as impatient. You don't, you don't get depressed. Why? Because in that deep place of stillness, you process your emotions with God. If Psalms teaches us anything, unfortunately, American Christianity says, deny your feelings. Don't listen to your feelings. They're irrelevant. And all we do is stuff them down. But the Psalms tell us, no, those are like the submerged, you know, kind of inner uh, screens that let you see there's something your feelings are probably telling you. <laughs> Stop. And let's talk to God about it. So if you remember, the Connection Codes are just one of my favorite series we ever got to teach. We just talk about every, every day I try at some point to say, God, yesterday or this morning, I felt angry when, I felt sad then. And, I, and you just begin to say, God, what were you trying to say? What was in those emotions that you wanted to reveal? Is there something I haven't surrendered to you yet? Do I have a judgment? Do I have a lie? You know, and you process that. Um, and then, like I said, you take time, and I just call it the savoring time of life. Do you know how spiritual it is to just enjoy a sunset? to watch the stars, to just be amazed listening to some music and just be blown away, to just grasp nature, to just whatever it is that makes you feel in awe. And those are all things that will deepen your connection with God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. Please stay tuned for future episodes and remember to follow us on our social media. You can find more information about courses, events, and other leadership resources on our website, hftw.church. May God bless you and have a great day.